This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, y'all. Hey, (laughs) welcome to Such a Lady with Siobhan. And I'm so excited. As much as I love true crime um, and as many stories as I've watched, this story always comes back to me. So when I first decided to do a podcast for Such a Lady, it only made sense that this was the very first one that I did. And it's about Jacqueline Antoinette Williams. And I don't know if you've ever heard about her, but you all sit back and put your feet up because this story is definitely something you're going to be like, stop lying, because that's what I was like. So um, she grew up in Wheaton, Illinois, and she grew up with both of her parents. So it wasn't like she had a single mom or her dad raised her. She grew up with both of them, but eventually they decided that things weren't working out and they were going to get a divorce. Now, prior to the divorce, she was in church and she was making good grades and Jacqueline was a pretty good kid. Everything that was said about her at the time was good things. But once her parents decided to get a divorce, things changed. Her attitude changed. Her grades dropped. And I mean, just like with us in life, you know, when traumatic things happen, that can cause, you know, life to change. Your perspective of things changes. And I I think that's what happened with her. Um, The structure that she had was broken. And she decided to start acting out because things weren't the way that they used to be. Uh, She ended up getting pregnant and she got a job at a daycare to help take care of the baby while she stayed at home with her mom. And she struggled like like many of us do when we have children at a young age. Um, The daycare just wasn't cutting it. And she met a young man and they got married when she was 17. So they ended up having two children together. And with life comes, you know, problems and their problems were finances and just being young and and life. And so they ended up having two kids together. So that put um, Jacqueline with a total of three children at this time. And he said, I can't do it. I can't do the, the fighting. I can't do the putting hands on each other. So he just up and left and he never looked back. Um, when I do the research, I see that it wasn't like he was like, hey, let me get the kids on the weekend. He just left. <laughs> he never came back. Um, so she decided that she had to put her big girl panties on and make sure she took care of her kids. So she decided that she wanted to go back to school. And she did. She went back to school to be a nurse and assistant. And she started turning her life around for her and her daughter. She um, was happy about the way that things were. She was no longer living with the stigmatism of being divorced and a single mom. She was actually making strides in the right direction. And then as with a lot of women, you know, after we get back on our feet, then we're like, okay, well, I'm kind of lonely. And that's where she was at. And one day she was walking and she met... Fidel Caffey and he approached her and 
he he started talking to you know spitting that game in her ear telling everything she wanted to hear and 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 she definitely couldn't resist it and so from then on they became a couple and they started talking about everything that they wanted in life and it seemed that they had everything in common they they spent time together they they you know enjoyed each other's company and she ended up allowing him to move in with her well Fidel was a big time drug dealer I'm talking big time like he was moving things to the point where he told her listen go ahead and hang up your work coat and I'll take care of you and of course she did it and he and from everything that I've looked into and all of the document documentaries that I've seen and stuff that I've looked up he was good to the children he was good to her um eventually though he wanted his own kid. Um, and Fidel was a very handsome guy. He was light skinned. He had curly hair. He, um, was very muscular. And so he was an attractive guy and Jacqueline definitely thought so herself. So when he wanted a son, he didn't just want a son. He wanted a son that looked like him. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he thought that he was pretty fly stuff because he wanted his offspring to look just like him well she had to be honest with him and tell him like hey I can't give you a kid because my tubes are tied well of course you know most people okay well your tubes are tied maybe we could adopt but I'm pretty sure it was hard for them to talk about adoption when he out here selling drugs so adoption probably wasn't an option for them because the courts weren't going to give a baby to a drug dealer so what do we do next? Well, one day, Fidel's cousin comes over and he's venting about his baby's mom. And he's like, hey, well, you know, I'm pissed off at her. She put a restraining order on me. I have a 19-month-old son with her and one on the way. And I know if she doesn't let me see the one I have now, she's definitely not going to let me see the one that's coming. And so Fidel and um, and Jacqueline are sitting over here and he's venting, but the wheels in their heads are churning like, oh my gosh, because Jacqueline and Fidel and Laverne are all African-Americans, but Laverne's baby's mother is white. Well, Fidel is light-skinned. So while he's telling the story, they're like, oh, she's pregnant with the boy. Oh, Okay. So they're like, well, listen, don't worry about it. You know what we can do for you? You know, people always try to make it seem like they doing you a favor. Listen, what we can do for you is we can go ahead and take her off your hands and take that baby and we'll raise that baby like it's our own. You can come visit the baby and you don't got to worry about it. You know, we got money over here. You know that it'll be taken care of. So then the plan goes into motion. And so now Jacqueline plants the seed that she's pregnant so she starts telling everybody oh i'm pregnant she starts telling deborah that she's pregnant so they have that in common but not only do they have that in common they have other things in common deborah also has three children deborah also is struggling deborah also is the same age as jacqueline so it's kind of like okay she's talking to her oh we're gonna go through this pregnancy together but what's crazy is that Deborah let Jacqueline stay with her at one point because she was going through a bad situation and so she knew her she it, it wasn't like okay well this is somebody I don't know no this is someone she knew so 
Jacqueline goes on and she has people believing she's pregnant. She's getting bigger. I don't, looking into the stuff, it doesn't show if she was just gaining weight or if she was actually just putting on pads to make herself seem bigger. But she was a very smart lady because not only did she say she was pregnant, she also went and filed for assistance for the baby that was coming. She named the baby. She planned a baby shower. She even registered the baby um, for the baby shower. So she knew what she was doing. This wasn't something that happened overnight. She had planned this. And so when you're planning a baby, guess what? Eventually a baby has to come. So um, the time comes and they're like, okay, well, it's time for us to go. Now, the baby was due on November the 19th. On November the 16th, they decide, okay, we're going to go over to Deborah's house. Now, at this time, Deborah has another boyfriend and he's at work and they go and they knock on the door. And I'm pretty sure, and this is just my own personal opinion, if Laverne, her baby's daddy, comes to the house by herself, she's probably not going to let him in. She's probably calling the police like, hey, look, I got a restraining order and he's at my house. But I think that because her and Jacqueline um, knew each other, and they had so many things in common and she had let her stay with her. There was a there was a bit of trust there. So I bet she kind of felt like, oh, it's safe. He's not going to act a fool if Jacqueline and Fidel is here. Now, maybe by herself, but he's not going to try anything while they're here. So she lets them in and they come in and they talk and her and Jacqueline are talking and they're catching up like friends do. Well, Jacqueline goes to the bathroom and she comes out. And when she comes out, Fidel has shot Deborah in the head. And by this time, Jacqueline knows because she did go to school to be a nursing assistant that she only has a certain amount of time to get that baby out of Deborah in order for her to have a baby that she can take home and leave with her. So they get to it. She gets to cutting and they get that baby out of her. And they do exactly that. But here's the thing. Deborah is not dead, so she's watching them cut her baby out of her, and there's nothing that she can do. And her 19-month-old son is right next to her, which is the son of Laverne, too. So not only did he come over there to kill her, but he knew that he was going to do it, and his son was there. So once they get the baby out, they realize, okay, well, guess what? Deborah has two other children. She has 10-year-old Samantha. And she has eight-year-old Joshua. What are we going to do with them? So they kill 10-year-old Samantha. They stab her in her bed. Then Joshua runs out and he hides. And they are like, okay, well, you know what? Jordan, which is the 19-month-old Laverne's other son with Deborah, he really can't see anything. So we're just going to leave him here. And I'm sure that Laverne didn't want to kill his own son, but he didn't have any qualms about killing her other children. So Samantha's dead. Jordan is laying right next to his mother who has died and they've cut his sibling, Elijah, out of her stomach. And when they're walking out the door, they run into eight-year-old Joshua and he's traumatized. Now, I'll, I never understood why. I never got the answer in all the information I was looking at. I never, ever got it. I didn't understand why they, they didn't kill him. They took him with them. So when they left the house, it was Fidel, it was Antoinette, it was Laverne, 
the new baby that they had just stolen out of the mother's stomach, and then they took eight-year-old Joshua. And I don't know if maybe Jacqueline felt like, okay, well, maybe her motherly instincts had kicked in and she didn't want to do any more killing. I don't know what the case was, but they ended up leaving and they took the baby. I mean, they took the eight-year-old to her friend Sarah's house. And when they took the baby to Sarah's house, they told Sarah, hey, check this out. His mom just got shot. I'm going to go to the hospital and check on her. But can you watch the ba- uh, can you watch Joshua for us? And she's like, yeah, oh my gosh, how did that happen? Yeah, go handle your business. So as soon as she leaves, Joshua's like, hey, look, they just killed my mom. And he's telling this story. And of course, as an adult, you're like, wow, that's a very, <laughs> a very vivid imagination, young man. And so she waits and they put him to sleep and he does finally fall asleep. But the next day when Jacqueline comes back to pick him up, she's like, hey, this baby that you left over here said that you killed his mom. And Jacqueline's like, oh, no, he's just talking crazy. Hey, not only did I not kill his mom because his mom was at the hospital fine, she made it through. Guess what? I just had a baby and I want you to come see it. And so, of course, Sarah being our friend and nobody just thinks, oh, well, yeah, you just killed a person. She's like, oh, well, let me come see your baby. So she gets in the car with her and they're going to her house. When she's going to the house, Jacqueline tells Fidel, hey, guess what? Joshua didn't spill the beans. So not only does he know that we killed his mom and his sister and took the baby, but now Sarah knows. So they go to the house and Fidel's like, hey, look, he has to go. And as a matter of fact, she has to go too. And so they're like, well, okay. So they kill eight-year-old Joshua and they leave him in an alley like he was a piece of trash. And then they drop Sarah off. Now, I'm not sure why they didn't kill her. I don't know if, I know that, I mean, Fidel, he looked to be a strong guy. So I'm pretty sure if he wanted to kill her, then he could. But I don't know if it was more of a a friendship thing. I don't know. I can't really speak on that. But I just know that she didn't get killed and she made it home. Well, as as soon as she got home, she went to talking to her boyfriend letting them know, hey, something's not right. They just killed the little boy. And so she calls the police and she lets them know that, hey, this is what's going on. And so the police come and they question her. And Sarah's never charged with anything, but she takes them directly to where Joshua's body is at. And so once they find that out, then reports are coming in that there's a murder at the house where Deborah is at. And so the 19-year-old baby was left by his mom's side for six hours. And Joshua wasn't found for um, 48 hours after that happened. And it's crazy because, you know, we think about people and and we don't really think how dark people's minds can get so to to not only kill someone but to kill someone and then to cut their child out and then to kill a 10 year old and an 8 year old and then to leave a a 19 month old just laying there looking at his mom dying it, it has to be something mentally wrong 
You know what I mean? I, I, I can't seem to understand what would make her think it was okay. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, well, hey, what about my other three kids? What 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 will happen to what will happen to them if I'm in jail because I've killed someone? But I think in her mind, she was just thinking, I don't want to lose this man. Like he's a good man. He's taking care of me. It he's loving on me. He's treating me good. I don't want to lose him. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep him. And that's what she did. So once the police finally put two and two together, they go to the house of Fidel and um, and Jacqueline. And she's at the house hanging out, holding a baby. Like she's giving birth to this baby. And when the police come in, she starts acting crazy. She's wilding out. This is my baby. Leave me alone. She had just given birth to this baby and you all are making a grave mistake because you're taking something that belongs to me. And they take her and they arrest her. They end up arresting Fidel and then they end up arresting Laverne too. And when it's crazy because when um, Jacqueline is in custody, she doesn't not tell what happened. She tells everything. She spills every bean that there is in the bag. And I don't know if she does it because in her mind, she, she thinks that it's okay. Like, okay, well, I I did this for my man and this is okay. Or if she had maybe after that happened, that switch had flipped off. And so at this point, she didn't have anything left to lose. But whatever the case is, she told everything. And so the police are like, wow. And so they arrest her and they arrest Fidel and they charge them with first degree murder. And then they go and they get um, Laverne and they charge him too. And not only do that, they slap them with the kidnapping charge because they took the baby. And she's like, no, that's my baby. And she continues throughout the whole trial saying that that was her baby she didn't do anything wrong um and then at one point she even said that she gave her permission now how you give somebody permission but you end up killing them and shooting them in the head and then cutting the baby out is beyond me and then killing those babies lord it's beyond me but that's what she said and everyone who spoke about it or said anything said that she didn't have any remorse about it she was okay with it she felt like she was doing the right thing because she was doing it for a man. Um, they ended up taking the baby away from her, of course. And um, Deborah's father ended up taking custody of the 19-month-old Jordan and then the newborn baby, Elijah. And he's been raising them since they, you know, since the incident happened. And the young men are thriving, but... Um, Jordan knows what happened and he, and the, and the grandfather is, is he talks to them about it. He, he wants them to know that, Hey, look, this is what happened. I don't want you to have to find it out from somebody else. This is what happened to your mom. A bad thing happened. And I can only imagine to know it's one thing to know that your mom died, but to know that she died at the hands of your father has to be something totally crazy. And then to know that it was done because they wanted to take a baby that didn't belong to them. Um, Antoinette's sentence was eventually turned over from the death penalty to life in prison. But 
to this day, she says that she feels like she should be let out of prison because she feels like she has served her time. She feels like that she has paid her debt to society and that um, she doesn't need to be in prison anymore. Forget the fact that she's killed a whole lady and ruined the life of so many people. She feels like it's time for her to get out. Um, And so this was a story that I always come back to, like I said, because it amazes me how she was on the right track. And that happens so much with women. We were on the right track. We were focused. We were, were headed. We have our goals and we have our visions and our manifestations. And then something or someone comes along and somehow we get derailed. And Jacqueline happened to be one of those people who let love take her to a place that she can't get back from. So I hope you all enjoyed the first story from such a lady and there will be so many more to come. There are so many women out here that have lost so much due to loving a man and I can't wait to share those stories with you. And hopefully my goal is that um, somebody somewhere hears this and they, they realize that love is not supposed to be toxic. Love is not supposed to hurt. Love is not supposed to have you end up in jail away from your children. Um, Love is something that adds to, it doesn't take from. So I'll catch you all next time. Thanks for tuning in with me and thanks for listening to Such a Lady.